Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and thank you for tuning in. My name is Tanya Hathaway with Tanya Talks, where your voice is heard and your story is told on Marty Oakley's PS Radio Network and Stephen Burke's 89.9 KLRB Lighthouse Christian Radio over there in Radio over there in Stewart, Oklahoma. I want to thank you both for these tremendous platforms that you continue to provide as we build our audience and our advocacy and are really beginning to bust some things pretty wide open. Um, You know, it's kind of interesting when, you know, the day after some very, very serious discussions uh, with uh, the DOC, I'm not going to name names and I'm not going to quote those discussions at this point, but there happens to be, so there happens to be a press conference the day after. It was all about the inmates and the prisons and the conditions and, of course, the the COVID response, you know, which has really been um, something that's been unmasked and is only just the tip of the iceberg, which they know, we know, but many Others don't know, but they are finding out because there has been so much abuse, so much negligence, and there are so many lies, like bold-faced, flat-out lies that I've just seen in the last two weeks between a cushy commercial, peachy, cushy commercial, and where they talk about there have been rumors and they're saying about, about the conditions. And the same thing with this press conference today about the rumors. And I'm looking at it and I'm going, lie, 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 lie. Absolutely infuriating, infuriating. What a show we have got for you tonight with James Larrick. James Larrick, who resigned from Lexington, uh, from from Lark there, from the Lexington facility um, uh, over in um, in Oklahoma. It's a Lexington assessment, and help me out there. I, you know, Lexington and, assessment and reception, reception center. center. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I, I've only been saying it all day long, and then <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I'm just so excited about having you on with us tonight, and this was kind of a last minute change um, to have you on this show tonight. And, I'm, and you know, it, it, it's suitable. It's important uh, to get you on, to strike while the, while the, the iron's hot um, so that we don't lose momentum. So we continue. I'm glad to, uh, I'm glad to discuss uh, what I would refer to as the Oklahoma Department of Corruptions uh, at any time on any forum. And I, I've Fantastic. Tried to do so. uh, just so happy to have you here. 
fantastic um because i know that you are wanted as a witness uh i know i just spoke with somebody recently who wants you as a witness for a big lawsuit so um <laughs> people are and the, the great thing is that you know as you come out and you talk with us um and and as you you were blasted all over the news a few years ago about this and so we'll kind of double back on that a little bit but um that other people are, are coming forward and, you know, we've had people that have really opened up on, on our show here. And, and um, so it, it is empowering others to come forward. Others are still uh, very much afraid for, for their lives. And we, we understand that. Um, some and prosecution. Understand that, but, but we understand it. Um, so before we get into the show a little bit further, I would like to remind everybody it is a Christian radio station uh, that is also broadcasting us in Oklahoma. So we have to be very, very careful um, with the words that we use. That being said, I am going to read off an anonymous statement. I know who this person is, but I have promised to uh, keep this uh, the name anonymous. Um, and uh, there are two words that are used in it that are they they're swears, but I think that, that they're okay to use given that it is a quote and they're not really bad swears. You know what I mean? So um, I think that they will be, um, people will understand. Um, it starts with an A and it starts with an H. <laughs> so I, I don't want to leave anything out of that quote. Uh, I'm not an attorney. Marty Oakley is not an attorney. Stephen Burke is not an attorney. And therefore, uh, both myself Marty and Stephen, personally and professionally, cannot be held liable for any error of content. Uh, or, but that being said, we do a pretty good job vetting our guests and, 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 uh, and sharing information. If anything seems to be off or wrong, um, anybody is more than welcome to email me at injusticeinoklahoma at gmail.com, injusticeinoklahoma at gmail.com and anything that needs to be corrected uh, will be corrected absolutely first one to to do that I haven't had to do that too many times and that's a really good thing uh, but uh, uh, I, I don't think there's any doubt whatsoever about the content that we're about to talk about tonight as a matter of fact James James Lair he he actually uh, comes from an industry where he has produced films and, uh, professionally. Uh, at one point in his life, he was a, uh, a news anchor out there in Gold Coast, California, and moved to Oklahoma. And, I, and you'll be able to share all of those little details, uh, big details, um, a little bit more. But before I actually am going to have ask you to say more i am going to read this anonymous letter that was sent to me this person is not ready to come on uh and and, and you know open up about the truth of the open up about uh, open up publicly uh as a as a um somebody who was there um, or or not put her, her or his name to it, but um, I'm going to read it right now, okay? And this is in reference to Lark. Here we go. It's been just over a year 
since I worked for ODOC. But I still remember the way that A&R smells. It smells like toilet water and cockroaches. When you open a cell door in A&R, you can watch as the roaches scatter. It's inhumane. They feed them food that is not made for human consumption from a meat grinder that is crawling with maggots. The kitchen at Lark is one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen. It's not, it is constantly flooded in there from the old pipes, not being able to handle the amount of garbage being put through them. The flies are awful. There's no air conditioning in the whole facility except in the administration building where the warden, deputy warden, population, and receiving are. I've seen it over 100 degrees in those buildings with guys sleeping on the concrete floor trying to stay cool. I've also seen it below 20 degrees in there with them huddled up on their bunks desperately trying to stay warm with frozen water on their floors almost an inch deep. With a shabby, threadbare blanket, in quotes, I have seen people on suicide watch who are laughed at, made fun of, and tortured by guards. I've seen men who have been sprayed with the OC spray left in their cell, not being able to breathe. I've seen them handcuffed and beaten by guards, left laying in a prone position so that they're gasping for breath. I've seen them denied medical care and later die because nursing staff didn't care to send them out on a hospital run. I've had to perform CPR on a man on Unit 6 who died in his cell because nurses wouldn't side off on him being sent to the hospital because he wasn't, quote, sick enough, unquote. I've seen a lieutenant sell cell phones back to inmates for green dot cards and laughed about it. And when I went to the administration about it, I was told to mind my own business. I've seen a captain walk into a pod, my unit, and start throwing the inmates clean clothes they had hanging up to dry onto the ground and step on them all while laughing and saying, quote, do something about it, unquote, while they were locked down for count. He's lucky those doors were locked. I've seen guards drinking alcohol while on the clock, giving snuff to inmates. Hell, even seen a lieutenant give an entire pack of marble reds to an inmate to keep him quiet. I've seen guards give inmates a choice between a write-up or an ass-whooping for having contraband in their cell. That was an everyday occurrence. We had this one guard who enjoyed slapping inmates around and would use that as a justification to get his rocks off. He still works at Lark, by the way. I've seen a female guard who literally got caught in A&R with her shirt off in a cell and didn't even get reprimanded for it. I've seen inmates hauled into the shower in seg, locked in there and left for hours on and handcuffed as punishment 
for being late to work. These are just a few things I remember. Like I said, it's been over a year since I've been there, but I still have nightmares about the things I've seen. The deaths, the violence, the conditions, etc. It truly is appalling. I just want the world to see what goes on in there. And my hope is that one day ODOC will answer for the things they do to inmates. Our motto was protect the public, protect the employee, protect the offender. But that was a big running joke. There's no protection for inmates. They can file a grievance, but you damn well best believe that they will regret it if they do. There is no justice justice in our prisons. They are treated worse than dogs. My only hope is that people will start to see and maybe someone will change it. God bless and thank you for all you are doing, for all you for doing all you do. To me, that means all of us that are willing to come on here and are able to come on here and for those that can't, that keep sending the information. So, James, how Mm -hmm. does that resonate? That's pretty accurate. Um, I don't think uh, it was exaggerated. Um, Everything was pretty much right on point, and it happened like they said on a daily basis. Um, you know, not Why don't you every let officer... people know about your time there, what brought you there, a little bit about yourself, and what happened to well, you. I... Okay. Um, I, I've worked in television um, for more than 20 years and uh, lived through Hurricane Katrina on the Gulf Coast. My family, I was born in Norman, grew up in um, Oklahoma and Houston, and uh, was brought back after Katrina by my family. Television work in Oklahoma, you know, is spotty. Um, I didn't really want to go back into news. Um, The prison was reasonably close to my house, and I thought it would be uh, an interesting experience. Um, Right. And so uh, I took the uh, opportunity and uh, was, frankly, uh, shocked. Um, You know, it was interesting. But uh, I wouldn't say interesting in a good way. Right. And uh, I, I tolerated it as long as I could. And then, to me, I felt like nobody would believe uh, anything I said. You know, I could go forward and just try to, you know, maybe contact the news media, maybe contact you know, go to my supervisor. The supervisor wasn't going to go anywhere. <laughs> you know, the, mm-hmm. the warden wasn't going to go anywhere. And it was a brand mm-hmm. new warden when I ended up leaving. They had gone through a couple, and I think it's another new warden in there. Um, mm-hmm. So to me, nobody was going to believe it. So uh, I recorded it and uh, took it to the public. And, uh, you know, it, it really kind of messed my life up a bit. Uh and uh, I'm still kind of paying for it, but I still believe in my heart I did the right thing. The state, 
you know, feels very differently about it, and they, they retaliated. Um, and I, I warn anybody, uh, you know, I think what I did was the right thing. Maybe I did it the wrong way, but I did it the way that I knew, which was I recorded some of it. I didn't record the worst of it. But yeah. uh, I, rec- I recorded, you know, what was at hand and just samples of it um, right. as examples. The attitudes. Yeah, the, yeah. It was, well, what I did it's, is it's I, pervasive I, I, I supplemented, you know, I added your three videos that you created, you know, on, on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, I added them to the promo, and I just put it out shortly before uh, the show on the promo. So, um, for anybody and those were just who, samplings. Uh, yeah, they're just they're just they're just samplings. Um, but I kind of like if 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 you don't mind, can we like mm-hmm. talk about those sure. videos a little bit? And they're there for anybody to go back to that hasn't seen them already. I know this was big in the news, you know, a couple of years mm-hmm. ago when you were busted for doing this, you know, after you resigned, right. uh, they came and they retaliated. And do you mind talking about what the repercussions are? Um, well, the repercussions, I thought um, going into it that I would have been covered by the uh, Whistleblower Act of 1998. Right. And so I thought that under the law I was going to have protection um, from bringing attention to it, and I thought that somebody should bring attention to it. Um, uh-huh. But – Anybody that goes into it ought to understand uh, the technicality that they prosecuted me under was that I resigned before I made it public. And that resignation um, diminished the protection I would have had under the uh, Protection Protection Act uh, of 1998. That then gave them an open opportunity to retaliate against me. And I would like to say that I I did cooperate fully with the Department of Corrections because Mm -hmm. I felt like that the lapse in security that enabled me to do what I did uh, should should be plugged. Um, Right. It's something that that should have been fixed. I mean, it shouldn't have been so easy. I mean, I could have done it many ways, and it was really quite simple. Um, Right. And so I, I cooperated with the uh, the investigator because they had no idea how I did it. Um, and uh, then they turned that information on me and used it to uh, to prosecute me. Right. And I'm still, right. you know, it, Does that remind that. you a little bit of, you know, allowing contraband, uh, you know, to pass through uh, um, some of the staff and, and it's the inmates that, that get, in trouble, and, and none of the none of the staff. Right. In a sense, it's just it's just so messed. A staff can so walk it up. through, give it to an inmate, and it's the inmate that's right. uh, written up yes. and gets the additional sentence. Right. Um, you know, I I compare it to um, uh, the best way to think about it is as an officer, I was in there bailing water um, with contraband. There was contraband everywhere. I mean, mm-hmm. everywhere. And picking it up and turning it in is, is just bailing water. You know, they need to fix the holes in the ship because right. there is a lot of water coming into that ship, and they're asking officers to sit in there and bail it out, and they're not plugging right. the holes. Right. That's a great and way so the to ship put continues, it. Yeah, the ship continues to take on water, and as an officer, you know, 
you can go around all day and pick up contraband. You've got guys walking by you on your shift with cigarettes in their mouth. Now, cigarettes used to be legal in our prison system, but the state passed the law that there's no tobacco on state property. So the only people in there with tobacco are the officers, and it's there illegally. (laughs) Almost every one of them is dipping, vaping, or smoking on state property, but they're not prosecuted. Now, the inmate gets it, and they get written up. Right, unless they're so in cahoots. Unless the officer just turns a blind eye, and most of the officers in there do turn right. a blind eye to cigarettes because right. it's so pervasive. Um, yeah. But it is you know, something that you know, if a superior were to see the officer turn a blind eye to it, then the officer is in trouble right. for turning a blind eye to an inmate smoking a cigarette. Right. But they still don't fix the problem of how's it getting in there. Right. Right. You know, it's it, it comes over the fence sometimes. Um, it is handed off in visitation sometimes. But the majority is brought in through employees. Mm-hmm. Now, be that officers or other employees, um, it, you know, can manifest its way in – to the facility by various means. And and, and, and and what are some of the ways that that happens? Well, there was a there was an officer, and I'm not naming names in any way, um, okay. but there was an officer um, a short time before I left, maybe six months uh, before I left, that had been bringing in contraband, uh, cell phones and tobacco. And the way that they would do it is as an officer, you don't eat prison food um, because it's really bad. <laughs> just as bad as we they just all, heard. Oh, man, the kitchen is, I mean, it is terrible. Uh, it'll make you sick. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the inmates don't even want to eat it. They eat soups, uh, ramens, you know, that they buy on commissary. That is right. money in there. That is, they're not supposed to barter, but barter is the biggest thing. That's the way right. they live. Not in A&R, not in assessment and reception. They don't have commissary. They're just locked up in a foul-smelling, you know. Oh, they hit it right on point with the uh, smell. You'll never forget it if you ever go in there. These inmates are locked in there without air conditioning, without heat, in a six-by-eight cell with another person 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. And And they can spend... Just think about that. Six by eight. Just you, you, you know, like just just look around you and 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 think about what that space would mean to you. I mean, really, kind of like it's 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 it, it's pretty much the size of a king size bed, or or, or it's even, two or metal less. pan beds, two metal pan yeah. beds stacked on top of each other, and a toilet at the end of them with a sink above the toilet. Um, that's it, and they're locked in there. 24 hours a day. And now a they're pan supposed bed. to get wrecked. Can you explain what a pan bed is? A pan bed is a slab of metal that's attached to the wall. Um, they're supposed to have what they call mats, short for mattresses, um, which mm-hmm. is this thin layer of. Uh, if they get a mat, they're lucky. <laughs> I mean, as officers, we would search. You know, they're like, I've been in here, you know, for weeks. I'm sleeping on metal. Can you find me a blanket? Can you find me a mat? 
And as an officer, you go, we don't have any. There's none in the closet. And then you get on a phone, you try to call around, you call around the entire yard. Hey, did anybody check out? Anybody, you got an empty, you got mats? No, we don't have any mats, mats. I mean, it's like every day you're, you're just trying to find. That would, that would help if they could. Yeah. I mean, there, there are some that would make the call. Some would just shrug and say, I don't have any. I don't have right. any. Right. But, you know, you try to. But there's some that would. Most officers. Yeah, yeah. And you would call around and, you know. If you could, you could. You know, blankets in the winter. Oh, my God. The, mm-hmm. You know, and everybody knows what happens. The blankets go to laundry. Uh, the yard workers, because there's a – you have to understand, it's like two facilities. There's a yard, which are your permanently housed inmates there, and then there's mm-hmm. assessment and reception, which are the people in the state that are being processed. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the people in the state being processed have it really bad. Um, the people on the yard do the laundry. So when the blankets from A&R go to the laundry, people on the yard take the blankets. And you can check some of the yard cells, and they'll have curtains and drapes and carpets <laughs> and blankets. Right. Um, you know, I, I think they did a roundup one day in the middle of winter because nobody had any blankets in A&R, and they, they pulled like 275 extra blankets off the yard just by walking around in a couple hours and taking extras. Really? But most of the time they don't even do that. They just let a so, Okay, so you know, so how many how many inmates are there in the facility to begin with? What is the capacity? Cuz we know there are um, capacity. It's about 1500. About yeah, how it's many? about 1500. 1500. Okay. Uh, there's about 800 on the yard and about 700 in A&R. But while I was there, they were at 123% of capacity. Yeah. Okay. And that was before COVID even. So, yeah. And that was before COVID, okay. yeah. Yeah. So they had uh, yep. so overflow. You, you, okay. So you resigned in 2017, and mm-hmm. and you January were charged 1st. January 1st. With, That's a good New Year's uh, resolution. I don't blame you for that. Right. Um, for uh, an illegal recording device, the device that uh, – it was a watch that recorded um, activity in there. Right. So my big crime Which is, is, what is you wearing cr- a watch to work. Yeah. Right. Right. Your big crime is wearing a watch to work, and every, and, and yet, you know, all this other stuff that's going on, you know, with the and, contraband and, uh, being supplied and, you know, the beatings and the, all this stuff, you know. My goodness And there gracious. are officers and employees that wear uh, iPhone watches, which actually are transmitters. Mine was not a transmitter, um, mm-hmm. and uh, you know nothing is said. It really wasn't to watch. I, you know, it was. They were mad because I spoke up. Okay, and, yeah, of course uh, they're mad, and that's it. You know, right. I wonder. You know, I know that the inmates aren't supposed to have their cell phones, uh, you know, personal cell phones, and I'm well aware of that. But I'm also wondering. Right. It's kind of like. Well, why don't they want to have the personal cell phones besides the fact that, that, that you know, if they're bringing them in there, right? And, and obviously, you know, somebody, some people are lining their pockets with them, you know, or they're right. willing to turn their backs on other things. But I'm just wondering what on earth is really, you know, what are they afraid of? What are they afraid of? They're afraid of the truth. They're afraid of the exposure of the truth, you know. Uh, well, you know, the cell phone. Out that's been, uh, yeah. 
the cell phones are used to, uh, you know, arrange uh, drug drops and, uh, you know, to run outside businesses and um, to run illicit activities um, other than, you know, contacting families. And there's a lot of contacting families, but there are a lot of illicit things that take place on the cell phones. But yeah. uh, And the cell phones, you know, they, they are now, uh, They've announced that they're they're partnering with a uh, company to uh, have the inmates digital, yeah, yeah, where they're going to tag the inmates with bracelets or ankle bracelets or uh, detectors yes. to detect cell phone signals. Yes, and and, and we've uh, we've been we've been having discussions about about that, and as a matter of fact, um, we've got. Arthur Bean, um, um, who just went live with us a few minutes ago, and he's part of the uh, Deborah Hampton Attorney at Law uh, law firm. And Arthur is a avid researcher, and as well, um, he is a, he's a researcher. He's a private investigator, and he's very, very um, much involved in um, a uh, there's a, a federal lawsuit that's gone in front of um, uh, that's in Oklahoma right now um, to. Uh, actually, um, it's an emergency injunction uh, uh, to stop uh, that from happening. But then we have the um, uh, the CRO of, of DOC who actually filed an affidavit uh, and, and you know and forwarded it to the, the law firm uh, and uh, that said that this is only uh, voluntary. It's on a voluntary basis. Ooh. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Arthur, Arthur, you're here with us right now, right? So that's, you know, there's an awful lot to talk about, and so it's kind of a matter of, you know, skirting between these subjects a bit, but then the tying right. them all in too as well. So, Arthur, you're here. You want to say hi, Arthur? Arthur yes. Bean. Hello, sir. Nice, nice to hear your voice. Yeah, it, it's nice to hear your voice. And uh, and I tell you what, uh, James, um, uh, Arthur mm-hmm. heard that you were coming on, and, and he was thrilled. Uh, and so he's on here kind of to, to, to meet you and talk with you as well. Great. I actually, I, I actually cited I actually cited your recordings in our in one of our lawsuits that we have against COC. We're set on an August Great. 2021 trial docket for overcrowding and inadequate staffing, which have led to imminently dangerous conditions of confinement. I would say they are, (laughs) uh, both of those conditions uh, do exist or did exist. um, Still do. Daily. Uh, uh, Yeah, Yeah. daily. Um, They're understaffed. The staff that's there are working multiple shifts, um, you know, pulling extra hours, um, and, uh, you know, even if something were to happen, I don't know that their mental capacity after doing that for multiple days would even enable them to handle the situation. Uh, they're wore out. <laughs> I've seen know? that. I've uh, seen an officer. I've seen an officer work in a unit in uh, 2016, I believe it was, or 2015. Uh, she locked herself in an office. Because there were a group of Indians that were stabbing up inmates, wasn't nothing she could do by herself. Right. So she locked herself down. Well, you know, you're you're in a situation. Um, 
I'll take just for example Unit Six. You don't lock the doors because it's a community bath. And how many so inmates, inmates are on that unit? Approximately two hundred. And you have one officer, and uh, they roam freely, and and have you know access to go anywhere within that unit. And it's two separate buildings, and they can go back and forth. Um, there is a fenced-in yard, and so they can move about uh, within there. And, uh, you know, they'll put one officer there, sometimes a female, sometimes at night, and the unit's really pretty dark, and the doors don't lock. Um, you know, the unit is filled with uh, – that unit particularly has a high number of child molesters on it. You know, in there they're referred to as chomos. Um, and it's, you know, so you have sexual offenders <laughs> in here roaming freely with uh, a female officer um, roaming about making counts all night. Uh, it's a dangerous situation, not just for the officer, but for other inmates, for everybody on the unit. How many of those offenders do you know that have sexually assaulted a, a female officer? You know, I don't know. Um, you know, fortunately, um, you know, those those instances, you know, there have been instances where, you know, female officers have been caught sleeping with inmates. <laughs> sleeping? Um, Damn. On shift? On shift. Yep. Where's that, uh, where do they I'm sleep gonna, at? Well, they're not sleeping. <laughs> they're, exactly. They're going to having sex with inmates. Um, and, on shift. and we heard from this other testimony just now, you know, that she, you know, walked in and and they're here. She would walk in and saw a woman with her shirt off um, in A and R, and 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 there, or or that that person was caught, and nothing happened as a result. Right. Now they do vile things like strip down naked, and you know try to shock the female officers and walk around without clothes and you know it's it's there are some vile people within those walls um but it, it is a dangerous situation when they were redoing some of the facility doors they were putting new doors on because a lot of the doors were just broken even in A&R which is maximum security um there's a unit there that you have two sides to it. You have a hundred people on each side. And I was in there one night by myself and uh, it's made for two officers, but they don't have two officers to watch the unit. So you have to go back and forth to both sides and try to keep an eye on it. But I was in there one night and 28 of the doors were broken and you just had to leave them open and tell the guys to stay inside. And this is a maximum security unit. And you know, okay, guys, you're on a you're on an honor system tonight. You guys just stay in there. <laughs> and they know that there's only one officer, and so when you go over to the other side, they get out and they walk around. What you going to do and about is, it? Is it true that there was a little less trouble there than there normally is when you were on duty because you were able to build this certain type of relationship with the inmates that commanded a respect, but yet wasn't. Well, it's a two-way street. You know, mm -hmm. um, if you walk around as an officer, uh, 
and you try to pretend that you're the biggest, baddest dog on the block, um, they're not going to respect that. Um, if you because communicate the fact with is, them, there isn't. I mean, you're you're in there with what the buckethead. You're in there with buckethead, right? <laughs> right. 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 You, I mean, okay. <laughs> yeah, right. We'll follow up on that one. You know? Oh, right. Yeah. Everybody, everybody knows who Bucket like was. Buckethead, and if you're in there with right. a guy that walks into a bar, you know, with somebody's head, you know, obviously decapitated head, decapitated head, uh, in, in a bucket. bucket. This is why this guy is called Buckethead. So, you know, and along with the, the population there, the normal population, general population, you know, so so are you and so are other inmates. Right. They could take you at any time. Um, you know, if uh, you communicate with them as human beings, you know, um, they'll treat you as a human being. Um, if you treat them poorly, you should watch your back. Because mm-hmm. um, you're at risk at any time. You know, you can put a stab vest on and uh, you can put as much gear on as you want um, and try to take that avenue with them. But, uh, you know, it only takes a moment and it could go really wrong. Right. Um, and when you say uh, you can treat them poorly, now, what do you mean by poorly? You, you know, that they just don't get what they want, or do you mean the inhumane conditions that are I contrary mean, to the, the prisoners' rights? Okay. Um, DOC policy, when um, you search for contraband in a cell, um, DOC policy is you try to leave it in as near the same condition as possible, meaning you don't go in there. And it, it, they use the term, you know, you toss the house, you toss their house. Uh, right. If you go in there and you're known to just go in there and throw their stuff everywhere, and it's the only yeah. stuff they have, you know, and they have very little. But if you go in there and you're told to uh, do a search, which is okay, you go in and you search for contraband. Right. And but if you go in there and you just flip their stuff and you toss their house and throw it all on the floor and Right, that is their house. That's all they know. That's it. That's it. That's all they have. And uh you do those things on a regular basis, you know, you'll develop a reputation on the yard, um and uh not a good one. <laughs> you know, um on the You're acting hand, against you know, policy. Yeah, and you're going against against policy, but I'm telling you it happens. They'll toss an entire unit. They'll tell – they'll put a squad of officers together and say, go toss the entire unit, which the officers just go in there and shred everything and throw stuff everywhere. I've seen that happen. And the purpose for that is because they believe that somebody has contraband and they're trying to make an example even though it's against policy. Uh, I guess, you know, maybe somebody on the unit did something. Uh, The time that I remember most was actually these were new officers, and it was the academy. uh, And I guess it was some sort of training, but they had the entire academy class go through there and just rip the unit to shreds. Stuff Mm -hmm. everywhere, just dumped out, threw on the floor, 
you know, like a box of cereal, you know, dump so the whole thing out on the floor, them. throw the box. Right. Yeah, right. I mean, that was the class. Go there and toss the, the unit. Which okay, goes so against what the policy was. So let's talk a little bit about about, uh, about the education, the, you, you know, oh. and how these how they're trained and and you know what. Okay. Uh, let's let's go there. We talked a little bit about it earlier, this, but you know something. Yeah, this is kind that's of why we talked. This is kind of amusing. Okay. Now I, I want to say first of all, I, I graduated uh, number two academically. Um, but I, I take that with a grain of salt because there really is no academic standard. Um, what they do is they give you a lot of information, like a stack of it, um, you know, probably about an inch thick of printed material. But you don't have to bother reading it because as you go through the academy, what they do is they read you the test and give you the answers in order right off of the test. Right and then give you the test. Here's the answers. <laughs> here's the questions. Uh-huh. And then here's the test. And there were still people that failed. Um, but I, I found it humorous that it, they're not even mixing the questions up. They're giving them to you in the exact order with the exact answer you need. And then they hand out the test and say, here's your test. Uh-huh. Now that was the academic standard. Um, physically, but what was it? What was? But what did they actually teach? I mean, did they actually? Did you sit in a classroom? Policy. Did you? Yeah, it was in a classroom setting. Yeah. Um, and uh, oftentimes we would sit with uh, round chairs and uh, the instructor. And, and you know, I don't blame the instructors. This is, I guess, the way they've been doing it um, to try to get mm-hmm. as many people through as possible because they don't have enough officers. But Mm -hmm. the instructor would sit there, he would read the question, and then you would go around and each person would take a turn answering the next question. Right. Uh, And then, you know, maybe go around again, and then they'd hand out the tests. But it's the exact question in the exact order that's coming off the test that they're going to give you. Wow. And some people still failed it and, uh, and had to take it again. And if you failed it, you just... Okay, you're going to take it again. Yep. Try again. So, and then physically, there is no qualifying standard for an officer. Um, they would do a mile and a half run, um, but more than half would walk it um, and do a mile and a half in 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. I mean... <laughs> that's and there's like I said, there's no qualifying standard. Many of the officers couldn't do a single push up. Um many of the officers couldn't do a sit up. Uh but there is no qualifying standard. They would do calisthenics at the academy and a lot of the officers would just lay there on the mat, you know. You know, put in half an effort. It was really uh Taken as quite a joke to anyway. They knew there was no standard, right? Uh, Hey, I don't have to, you know, try on this. You know, I'll just sit here and they pass everybody. Kind of sounds how the guards are after Dom too. Tina, Tina Gertz is with us. Hello. 
Hi, Tina. What did you say, Tina? I said it kind of sounds how the guards are at their jobs, too. Just laying there doing nothing. It is. And sleeping. Mm Mm-hmm. On post. Uh, Was pretty common. Not sort of common. (laughs) Because, again, they're working really long hours, and they're tired and, you know. Did did you, you know, okay, so in in the the, um, videos that you posted on YouTube Mm. uh, a few years ago, uh, can you just explain a little bit about what you were able to capture on film for those that didn't see it? And um, and we know that this is only just a very, you know, it's just, it's a it's a glimpse. It's far from the worst. It's of a it. glimpse. It was it was really just samplings. Um, after I had decided that I was leaving, um, and had really had enough of it, and just wanted to capture some of it, um, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure what I was going to do with it yet at that point. Um, but I just was kind of in disbelief. Um, I started recording. I, I had more than I actually used and the the DOC wanted me to turn it over and I refused. Um, good for you. But oh, good. it was really just samplings. Uh, you know, I, I sat back in horror and disbelief at how foul the culture was. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a, a young man that died. Um, they say he hung himself. Um, but by yes, the of course time they did. his but by the time his body was found, rigor mortis had already set in. And, you know, which means he had been hanging there for at least four hours. <laughs> and and it was on an overnight shift where counts are supposed to be done every hour. Now, the mm-hmm. count is not just to make sure they're there. It's to make sure they're safe. It's right. not just for our security of knowing, okay, nobody's got out. It's to go around and make sure nobody's bleeding or dying or injured. Right. And they didn't find the, the, the young man, and he'd only been there 48 hours probably. And, and he, yeah. was in his young, he was in his early 20s. And within that first 48 hours, somehow, they found him hanging in a cell with rigor mortis already set in. And all the uh, shift supervisor had to say was, you guys really need to do your counts. <laughs> right. Right. Because we don't want them that stiff or something like that. It's very we don't cool. want them. It's yeah. Yeah. These are on the, guy these are on the stiff. videos. That's making us look really bad. Right. That guy's getting stiff in there. It's making us look really bad. You guys really need to do your counts. They didn't reprimand the officer for not doing counts. It's like if, if, um, he, if he wasn't so stiff, it would have been okay because then it wouldn't have appeared as though they weren't doing their job. Right. But you're making us look mm-hmm. bad because the guy's stiff. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I found that really outrageous. And I never heard, you know, what happened to him. There wasn't an investigation. They wrote it up as suicide. Um, maybe it was. Do you remember I, the inmate's name by any chance? I don't. Like I said, he had only been there, I think, two days. Right. And right. Uh, I was just coming on shift when they found him. It was my unit uh, that they found him on, but it was right at shift change um, that it happened that they finally saw him. So 
It's yeah. obvious. The well, because I know that we've got. I've had a couple of um, guests on the show, and um, and and uh, I I know there was one that was young and just transitioning, uh, and and actually had just finished their sentence in uh, California and had to spend the night or two nights, I think, in Oklahoma um, before heading back to his his family, um, mm-hmm. and. Uh, he supposedly committed suicide, and it was like the last thing he was going to do. He was on his way home. Um, right. And now right. I'm just I'm I'm trying to put pieces together as we're speaking on the phone because just hearing that, I mean, uh, uh, Luab. Uh, I'm trying to think of the last name. It was um, yeah of a uh, of uh, Asian descent. Uh, anyways, uh, well, we can move. This was on a young black male. Yeah. It was no, a young black funny. male. It, it was a young black okay. male. Um, okay. Um, and he had just got there. I knew I worked that unit almost a, a lot. Uh, that, that was, you know, my primary unit, the one without the doors and the gymnasium where there are no cells. <laughs> it's just right. open bunks. Uh, 220 felons and overflow from A&R, which was maximum security, put out in the middle of a gym floor um, mixed in with the other permanent residents. Uh, it yeah. you know was really crazy. Um, it was it was kind of like um, you know um, uh, a, a strange third world uh, mess of immigrants or you know there, there's clothes everywhere, there's people everywhere. They're just walking around and milling about, and uh, it like the gymnasium was quite. Yeah, they did. They, they would literally walk around in the gym and, you know, for exercise. Um, right. But, uh, you know, it, it could have went bad at any time in there because um, mm-hmm. you're locked in there with them with a radio and some pepper spray. Right. And uh, even right. if you call for help, there's only a handful of people that could respond because they're so understaffed. And you've got mm-hmm. 220 people up against maybe five or six mm-hmm. and you know uh, uh, yeah the op- that's pretty the officers that's aren't compelling. armed right and and there's no physical qualification so the people coming to your help uh you know you don't know who's going to show up it's, you know it's hopefully you got happened, a couple of the stronger really officers got your back. yeah right right wow so uh and so you spent most of your time there uh, in the yard, correct? In the yard, I, I did. I was put in A and R, and I, I was put in medical. Um, I, I really didn't like medical either very much. Um, you know, I, uh, you, like Is for it example, true that that medical um, at times did not uh, respond in a, in a manner where they could have that would have saved lives. Yes, um, you know, the nurses get jaded uh, as, you know, when somebody comes in, uh, seizures are a thing. You know, people come in there, some of them are drug addicts, some of them are alcoholics. Um, They're not given treatment for addiction. They're going cold turkey. And so – a lot of these people, I mean, it's a physically dangerous situation. So mm-hmm. seizures 
are common. And uh, a lot of the nurses and stuff think people are faking. And a lot of times they won't offer them treatment and say, you're faking. And I think even in the video, uh, in one of the shift briefings, you know, one of the officers is saying, just pinch the mf -er. Wake him up. Yeah, sit in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's not ours to say whether he's faking or not. Um, you know, you deal with him. Take him in, check his blood pressure, monitor him for a second. If he looks okay, send him back. But right. to deny medical um, or to, you know, pinch somebody to see if they're faking uh, is, who, is who is just, the who is the CEO to come up with the medical uh, determinations? Right, right. Now this is the who person that has to... very little qualification. Right. <laughs> and now you're saying just pinch him. You know. Right. Somebody drops. You know, I'm calling for a medical. I mean, response. where does it say that? As you know, right. As, as that is not policy. <laughs> Where does it say that in the medical books? Pinch somebody, and if it does, you know, great. But is that the uh, is that the real? You know, is that what you're really supposed to? Do you, does no, it that's not there? policy. Right. right, that is not right. policy. You call for a medical okay. response. Right. Um, I mean, whether he's faking or not, um, some of the people, um, you know, are feared for their life. They get put in a cell with, uh, you know, somebody that's going to kill them or beat them up. So they're you trying know, to get out. They might fake a medical condition to get out of there to try to get protective custody. Right. That happens too. You'll have people that go through court, uh, particularly uh, child molesters, and they're feared for their life as well they should be because if their charges are found out by people in the unit, um, they will be hurt. I mean, it's just a, it's a fact in there. And uh, they will request protective custody. And you try to move them to a unit or a place where somebody doesn't know their charges. But if so, if they recognize somebody they saw in court that will that knows their charges, they may fake a medical condition. Right. And then once they get to medical, say, hey, you know, I need protective custody. But again, as the officer, it's not ours to uh, make that determination at that point. Our job is to just call for a medical response and get them out of there. Right. And as far as the you nurses know. being jaded, do you find that, um, you know, you, I mean, you understand, you know, people grow thick skin in, in, in certain places, but that's not mm -hmm. supposed to stop them from conducting their, their job. You know, because one and it doesn't, time, all of them. Let me see, on that news conference that, uh, mm -hmm. that uh, I, I, I saw today, I saw Gibb say, huh? He said, all lives are precious. All lives matter. He said that how many times? All lives are precious. And he said, and he said, and that includes the inmates, you know. And so I'm just thinking, by the amount of times I heard that, you know the saying, thou dost protest too much? That's kind of what it seemed like to me. It really just seemed that way. To me, now that on top of all the, the lies, and we're not going to have time to go through that tonight, you, you know, but the right. lies 
that were, were put out well, there. And, you know, there's going to be, you know, between that and the advertisement, oh, boy, um, you know, I'm going to have fun with that, just, just shoving that right back in their faces, I'll tell you that much. Excuse my okay. anger over that, but I have it. I want to give you some, some ammo on that one from the press conference today. The Department yeah. of Corrections director is Scott Crow. Um, mm-hmm. He replaced Joe Albaugh. Joe Albaugh resigned after Stitt took office, and there was he changed out five board members and made Stephen Harp the chairman of the board. I think that kind of upset Albaugh. Albaugh had only been there, you know, three or four years, uh, but he resigned and you know said he was going into early retirement or whatever. So anyway, mm-hmm. uh, Scott Crow was the guy making the statement today. He was appointed yeah. director in December of uh, 2019. But the, to me, the interesting thing that he said uh, in explaining the COVID, and I know I'm bouncing around a little bit, but this one you, you talked about, you know, mistruths. Welcome to my world. Uh, <laughs> right. Here's, here's one that I found just humorous. Every inmate that comes in there is tested for tuberculosis, hepatitis, HIV. They pull blood. They pull all these tests. Everyone that's processed gives blood and gets tested. He mm-hmm. said in that press conference he didn't know if it was legal for them to test them for COVID. Is why they weren't testing them. You can test them for HIV, hepatitis, tuberculosis, and you don't think it's legal? If you can test them for COVID? This is, this is just it. It's like, you know, I mean, is, is, is that what works for you? Are you kidding me? You, you know, and, and, and of course today they <laughs> That's said, his explanation right? as to why they weren't testing the inmates? Yeah, well, the, guess what? I mean, they, you said, and of course, you, um, Governor Stitt said today that, you know, a testing is still free. Well, it's not to the inmates. Right. They weren't testing. They want to get tested. Right. But inmates right. are getting charged for testing in at least some facilities. Yeah, medical visits will cost you. Um, yes. You know, and uh, but yeah, but just, but uh, the testing. Oh, is, you and know what I'm saying. I found humorous. Another thing I found humorous about the press conference um, was he's now going to give employees hazard pay for yes. having to uh, work w- around COVID. But the inmates don't get protective equipment at all. Right. So the right. the officers are getting hazard pay, and the inmates can't even right. get PPE. Right. You know, a mask. And and <laughs> uh, and there's uh, quite a few officers that aren't wearing them either. And as it was I'm described, sure I haven't on, been uh, in there during the the pandemic, but uh, you know that it, it's it seems to spread in there pretty easily. Well, the conditions they, are, you know, are subpar to begin with, and then, uh, right. you know, we have a pandemic that requires uh, increased sterilization and sanitary conditions, oh, yeah. and, you know, and the only time it really oh, it's gets far from sanitary. Is, is, yeah. is if they, you know, is if they prepare for an inspection that they've been given pre-warning about, uh, and, and, it's, it, and it's not cleaning up the mold, it's just painting over the mold. It's just, you know, it's a temporary fix. Yeah. Am I right? Hey, an inspection's coming. Everybody clean up. Get your stuff down off the window. Pick your bed up. You know, make your bed, blah, blah, blah. Here, paint over this rust. They're coming to inspect. You know, and then they parade through. Hmm. hmm, 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 hmm. Okay. 
and then they're out, and then it goes back to the way it was. But they, they sterilization that, that doesn't take place in there. <laughs> I mean, oh, maybe uh, we've since seen the pictures. pandemic. Oh man, no. I mean, that place is. I mean, it's it's really gross. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, bugs and uh, water, standing water and. Mm-hmm. Bugs and standing water oh. and maggots and a meat grinder and. Uh, I didn't spend a lot of time in the kitchen, thankfully. Um, right. But I, I, well, we've heard this from multiple people. And that's the interesting yeah. part is when we keep hearing the same things over and over again, it does lend some credibility to it. You, you know, I was told stories about the uh, bags of sugar and flour uh, that would sit in the storage area, and how when they would lift it, it was like uh, just layers of roaches would run um, that are between the bags of flour and sugar and things that they're getting ready to make food out of. Uh, The the kitchen is just covered up. Um, I mean, the whole place stinks. Uh, The whole place stinks. Oh, it's it's terrible, yeah. You know, um, the conditions are poor. Um, Now, the inmates... Would you say they're inhumane? Oh. In A and R for sure. <laughs> okay. Um, you know the yard. There are units that are better than others. Um, okay. Uh, you know, unit three where they have the uh, dog. It's the dog unit where they get uh, to train the uh, therapy right. dogs. And uh, it's a privilege, you know, the inmates get to have a dog in their cell and keep a dog and train it. And there's a little dog training yard in the back. It's kind of a privileged unit. They keep that unit pretty clean on the side that is connected to the shoe. Now, the shoe is segregated housing. That's the jail within a jail. Okay. And that's isolation. Um, The other half of that unit is the dog unit. The unit next to that... uh, it's still unit three, but it's a separate building. Uh, now that one is not nearly as um, uh, as good. So I mean, it changes unit to unit depending on who they've put in there. Okay. And because uh, it's up to the inmates uh, largely to care for those spaces, and depending okay. on you know which 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 unit it is, it it varies. But you, you know they don't have washing machines in there now. Joseph Harp, each unit has a washer and dryer in it, and the inmates do their own laundry. Lark has okay. a laundry facility. And so the inmates will have to hang clothes around to dry on the rails. Well, they're not supposed to do that. So you, you mentioned earlier in that letter officers coming through and throwing the clothes down. That happens a lot. They're not mm-hmm. supposed to be there, but there's a way to go about getting them down. Because they have no other way to dry their clothes if they rent them out. Right. And uh, right. you know, it's it, oh. it's it, it it's just bad. It, it's you know, it's a bad facility. So, what do you I think don't know the if biggest problem is with the facility there? And you know, I well, you know, I know that you said that. Um, uh, so Scott Crow is. Mm-hmm. 
is the DOC he director. Replaced, yeah. He replaced. Okay. Joe Albaugh. And yet we do have the the um, the the COO who who actually is a signer of the affidavit regarding um, those bracelets. Um, I don't know how long he's actually been there for. So I think actually is, is we that, got those. That's right, Michael earlier. Carpenter. Carpenter's the one that signed off on the bracelets. Yeah. But, I don't know how Crow long is, he's been there, Arthur. Crow you know? has been there a long time. Crow has been there a long okay, time. Okay, so it's Carpenter position. that's fairly new. Yeah, Crow w- was right. there, but as a different position. And when Albaugh designed, he was named interim. Uh, okay. Albaugh resigned in June of 19. And uh, Crow became interim until December where he was made DOC director. Okay. Um, but he's he's – over the entire DOC. That's Carpenter. No, that's that's Crow. Crow is over the entire DOC. Yes, right. he's the director. Okay. Right. Right. And he was the one that did did the press conference today that said uh, he didn't know if it was right. legal he's, for them to test him for COVID. Face. He's he's a face, and so is Wolf. He's too, the face, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not as familiar with Wolf. You. Also uh, got Harp, who is the chairman of the board. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Governor Stitt uh, has I, I, shown know, I that he's see, making I, I, more of an effort. You know, t- uh, you know, from my perspective, than the previous doing administration. Better than Fallon did. Yes. Okay. Um, Fallon let it go to shambles, in my opinion. Yeah. And uh, I think at least now, I don't know if it's from uh, shows like yours um, and the pressure that's being put on them, they're finally, you know, starting to show some attention to it. Right. You know, they have released some nonviolence. I mean, 500. I mean, it's just a handful. Right. Right. Uh and it'll never be but, an, it'll never be enough for the people who still have loved ones in there and they and, and it, they weren't released. I understand that. With outrageous sentences. I mean, you know, um they've got people in there for bad checks getting twenty years. Mhm. Um, you know, and they have proposed uh, or there is on the uh, proposition eight oh five is out there. Right. Um to try to reduce that, but uh, uh, Oklahoma yeah, providing per capita. I mean, I've never heard of some of these sentences, but God forbid if that was a judge, not that a judge would write a bad check because, you know, most of the judges there. Um, well, even if they had written a bad <laughs> check before, <laughs> right, you know, right. 20 years, I mean, you've got uh, manslaughter charges and people getting less than 20 years. Right, right. Right, um, and then racist. you know, of course, we got marijuana charges, or yeah, it's and and then possession. these people are Simple subject. Possessions. Yeah, yep, you know, eighteen, nineteen years old, and you're subject to you know, a buckethead. Right, Maybe. and the the people in there that you're going to meet and uh, have to deal with, you know, are going to scare some of these young men to death. Mm-hmm. That you know, they're so uh, you know, is that the best place, and is that the best? punishment and that gets into uh you know a lot deeper issues with that but 
there's, you know, Oklahoma just it sends far too many people into incarceration. Yes, it as, does. As, as the option. I mean, our per capita is for women is the highest in the nation. And I right. think in men, we're like world, second or third. Yeah, I think yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and our men is like second or third in the nation. Um, yeah. And they that's, were for That's us. outrageous. Yeah, they, yeah, if we're not still, I mean. And, uh, and see, the thing is, I mean, is Oklahoma really that bad of a state? Or is it the people that are running the state? Well, Oklahoma had a zero tolerance. It. Yeah, it, that they had a zero tolerance thing for a while where any possession, you're going to prison, um, even just simple possession, and, and you wind up in prison. And, uh, you know, well, I've been investigating this for a long time, and, and they're hypocrites. Yeah. They're hypocrites because, mm-hmm. uh, because they, uh, they're, they're, many of them are hypocrites. I don't want to – I hate to generalize, but they're hypocrites because, you know, listen, if, if you've got a judge – you know, that get stopped for DUI, you know, they're out in 24 hours. Right. And they won't, they won't they ever go. have to show up in court yeah. again. Because they never should have gotten in there to begin with, you know, according to the their good old boys, you know, they got the, got the judge out or girls. Uh, but if it's somebody else, that typically that's, that's not going to, that's not going to happen. It's, it's very, there is not linear treatment. Okay, there's and, the the rules are, are, are that are written are, are constantly changing according to who you are. And there is something to be said about uh, people being institutionalized. Um, you know, you stick a young man in there, uh, 19, 20 years old, uh, leave him in there for five years and then send him out in the real world with a felony. Yeah, he's not going to know how to act. Um They've cut uh, – they used to have some training programs in there, and, you know, they would help people. I think on their website they still have say they have some training. Uh, mm-hmm. There's empty classrooms. You know, A&R has empty classrooms. That you There is a library, but when you're on lockdown, which there probably are now for COVID, nobody's at the library. <laughs> nobody's moving mm-hmm. around. Uh, mm-hmm. Everybody's – Stuck in their cell, you know, getting tray service. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's pretty miserable. I mean, it is prison, but, uh, you know. But do you yeah. think that they're using the, the potentially, because we know that Lawton had the least amount of uh of uh out uh, of tests as far as i'm uh, as far as i'm aware of uh, uh, um mm-hmm. a positive test and yet um and yet they didn't never went on lockdown compared to some of these others right where yeah so uh, there's you know we're talking about stale air people not being the able to stale air yeah that's what i was going to say ventilation um, you know, particularly A and R. Um, A and R one and two are miserable. Um, and there's a lot of people in A and R, and they get hung up there a long time because our prisons are full. So when they come through to get processed, 
they get stuck there because there's nowhere to send them. Right. So they're they're stuck in this holding area, uh, just waiting for beds to open. Right. Uh, someplace to go. And A and R, there's no ventilation. I mean, she was absolutely, or he was, or whoever wrote the letter, right, um, was absolutely correct uh, about uh, the air, the air conditioning and heat. It, <laughs> no, in the winter are, it's freezing, I mean, in the it's, summer it's, it's, it's hot. If you've got frozen water on your on the floor on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's no heat in there, then that is that that is that is a violation of the, of the inmates' constitutional rights. Oh, it's cold. I mean, you know, I would have inmates. I'm going around and they're laying on metal, sitting there shivering. Um, they yeah. don't have a mat. They don't have a blanket. Um, I would go get. And sometimes they didn't have clothes. Right, and sometimes they didn't even have, you know, a shirt, a T-shirt or, you know, an orange. Uh, You know, I I would get a triple X shirt out of uh, the laundry if there was one in there and let them have it as a blanket. But then you would have another officer come on the next day, and they've got two shirts. Hey, you can only have one shirt, and they take the shirt away. But, you know, he didn't freeze overnight. Right. I didn't have right. a blanket to give him. Right, um, and at least the officer didn't have to deal with the stiff body in the morning, right? God forbid. Right, he didn't freeze to death. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. that's bad. And, and they're right about him laying on the floor trying to keep cool, laying on the concrete with just uh, boxers on, uh, mm-hmm. just trying to stay cool when it's hot. and I mean, it, it's pretty miserable on A&R. And so... So, I mean, I think you've been kind of gentle with some of the uh, the explanations that you've given us, and I and and because it's hard, to, it's I've, really hard to stomach. Um, but you certainly confirmed right. uh, what uh, what we've already known. And you know, I just um, I heard back from this person who shared the testimony, and I had asked a, a, a question about you know, were the uh, corrections officers doing this to instigate problems, or was it because there was some kind of trouble? Um, and uh, and uh, let me see. The reply was absolutely yes. All the staff mentioned are still there. Okay, that was one of the questions I asked. One mm-hmm. is a current lieutenant, and the other was a captain. The one who would slap inmates was a CSO too at the time I quit. So I so probably a corporal or sergeant by now. I'd like to add that staff are scared to talk about what is going on because of harassment and intimidation. I've personally been harassed by current staff members, been sent sexually explicit explicit images by current staff members, and have been threatened for speaking out. I've been called a homie hugger and a hug-a-thug and all kinds of things. The lieutenant and captain were both moved there from other facilities around July of 2019. One was from Eddie Warrior, I believe, and the other from Joseph Hart, but I'm not 100% sure. I know the captain is probably still there for sure. His name was Captain Smith, and the other was Hmm. Lieutenant Williamson. Well, thank you for the name drop. And I know that you slept with a rifle uh, after you had 
come out. So can you talk about for uh, a few minutes and what, you know, what that was like for for you, even though you had cooperated um, after they had, they arrested you, correct? Um, right. Well, you know, after I, I made it public, um, when I first did and uh, I was being interviewed by Channel 9, uh, I had the DOC uniform hanging behind me. And uh, I still hadn't turned my uniform in. It was still pretty recent. And uh, shortly after the interview was over and Channel 9 had left, uh, DOC was at my door <laughs> wanting the uniforms. <laughs> and I went, uh, well, they were paying I went, attention uh, to the uh, – They the were watching TV for sure, yeah. They're oh, like, man. Give me my we want your uniforms. I'm like, yeah, you can have your uniforms. Um I think you but, need to uh, belong you know, to the Hall of Fame, quite frankly. You need to be retired. <laughs> I'm like, wow, here. I don't want them. You guys can go ahead. Um, but, you know, I didn't really – I didn't name names. I didn't make statements about anybody. I, I merely recorded what was there. And uh, right. I wasn't trying to throw anybody under the bus, um, but there were – you know, some repercussions within the facility that I was afraid, you know, could come back to me or some animosity shown back towards me. Um, right. So, yeah, um, I was watching my back very cautiously um, and concerned, uh, which is why I resigned before I made the information public, because right. there is yeah. um, that culture there. And the so, and I want to speak to anybody who is considering anybody who does work at um, at a facility and who is, uh, you know, disgusted and doesn't want to be a part of it. Is it safe for me to say that you did not participate in any of the abuse? I did not. No, I, I did no criminal activity in there, uh, other than I did wear. A watch to work um, that I ultimately used to uh, record some instances within there, and uh, you know they, they deemed it illegal. Um, yeah. But uh, I've never had any crime before, or any crime after. Um, you know, right. the, you're thoroughly vetted when you become an officer. Right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the. You know, thoroughly vetted when you become an officer, as far as your criminal background history. But then, but then right. look at what happened. Right. If right. you're vetted, um, I just wonder what they because I mean, I listen. I know of chief of police, uh, the people who become chief of police who've got who've got a rap sheet of their own, and they're still hired. So they're still hired, hired, right? I don't know, you know, but I, you know, I still don't think what I did was criminal. Um, no, I, I was trying I to do the I right either. thing. I, I believe I may have gone about it the wrong way. Um, maybe if I would have stayed there, but I believe I would have been in danger uh, right. had I made the information public and still been there. Um, and, and this is something that I did want to come back around to is if you are somebody who is working in a facility and doesn't agree with what's going on or somebody who has a change of heart, they've had come to Jesus moments. uh, There's a way to do this and to be protected 
um, through the Whistleblowers Act and to the Whistleblower mm-hmm. Act. And and so it's really important that you, that you don't quit and then tell. And, you know, I'm certain that had James known and understood the procedures at the time and the protections that would be put in place for him, um, that he would have taken that route. You know, we've talked about this. Um, but right. he just did what he knew how to do, you know. And so uh, there are protections for whistleblowers, okay? If there you are. are working, if you, if yeah, you ab- absolutely are. Um, and and it's very important to follow those protections. Uh, it's any, actually a any employee, any employee of a yeah. state or federal institution that exposes corruption within that institution is protected under the Whistleblower Act. But they have mm-hmm. to remain as an employee for the state or institution not to retaliate. Right. The state will be prohibited no, from retaliation. Retaliation is not legal. It's not legal. The retaliation in itself is a crime. But in order to be protected under the Whistleblower Act, which Senator Glasso has been a very big part of, he speaks at the uh, Whistleblower Summit every year in opening Mm -hmm. remarks, something that I think that um, we need to talk about um, some more and get you you there. Um, It's an annual... It, 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 you know, it's something that I think that you would. Uh, we've got some talking to do, anyways, and uh, continuing of, of this conversation, anyways. But I, I think that it's something that you would find uh, to be very fulfilling uh, to be a, mm-hmm. a part of. And given, and given the fact that you have, um, you, you your very professional background and uh, and, and abilities. Uh, besides what we were talking about before, I think you would. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you fit in really well there. Um, Marty Oakley, are you listening? I am. She might have stepped away. Yeah, what do you think, Marty? Well, I think what I'd like to do is see this man speak at the Whistleblower Summit. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. This exactly. Is, uh, I've got a lot of static on this end, Tanya. Um, okay. All right, exactly. This is just so, <laughs> so Marty's yeah. had a permanent place on on that uh, at, at that summit, um, you know, for for years, and has you know standing room only um, on her particular panel, which is about guardianship abuse. Um, but uh, but she's got some pull there, and uh, so anyways, uh, it would be amazing to have you to have you there. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's been a we'll tremendous talk, right? experience we'll, we'll for me. Mm-hmm. I'll yeah. be pushing pushing this and recommending that they listen to this show because I think this is ideal. Of course, I'm not I'm not a decision maker. Right. <laughs> you understand that, but I can recommend, right. which I will do, and uh, make sure I get those videos and uh, I'll pass them along. And yep. uh, yeah, that's holy cow. Yeah, but it's quite a. It's just quite compelling. It's a horror story. Yes, it's, it's a horror yes. story, and and you know this this man did what what most don't, what what most don't because and and that's not to make somebody out to be bad or wrong for not having the guts to do it or the ability to do it. You know, a lot of people have children, mm-hmm. families at home, and 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 they, yes. and they just you know they're afraid for their lives. Uh, they don't have anywhere else to go. Well, that's just we good know. Time. Yeah. 
well, we keep hearing on these shows from these people about the retaliation, which seems to be a a constant theme in whatever we deal with, the ability of the people doing this stuff to retaliate without repercussion. And they know they do it, and they don't do anything to stop them. Yeah. So I don't I don't blame anyone for not speaking up. No, it's, and there's it's, even no, more to the story. Yeah, there's even oh, more to the story. Oh, good God! Um, I went to court. Uh, I think uh, seven or eight times, um, appearance after appearance. Uh, I've eventually couldn't afford my attorney anymore. And uh, mm. oh no, at, public at one point, at yeah, at one point. Uh, I ended up with a public pretender, and uh, somehow they say I missed a court date, which I had the court date written uh-huh. down, and I had called the courthouse to confirm it the day before, and they say, you missed a court date. And I said, yeah, no. well, how did I miss a court date? I have it written right here. I was calling to confirm the time. They said, no, you have a bench warrant. I said, well, what do I need to do? And they said, well, you need to come in tomorrow and take care of it, but don't worry. It's not a pickupable offense. I said, okay, I'll be there tomorrow. Fifteen minutes later, they're at my door, and they arrested me. Yeah, the they took me, they, they took me yeah. to jail. They knew exactly who I was, and while they were processing me, they broke my ribs and uh, beat me up. The officers did. They said oh. they were tired of me making trouble. Oh, oh, I see. Well, and then, uh, I wonder if we beat <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know what's sickening is even though I gasp at this, <laughs> many of us that are listening to this, this is not a surprise. This is not uncommon. Right. And that is the problem. It's just like these school shootings nowadays. It's, it's, it's another one. It's another one. It's another one. It's supposed to be so outrageous that we make sure it never happens again. But it's continual. It's well, continual. It, does happen. it just happened to you. Mm-hmm. It happened to you. It happened to you know. We have goons showing up in, in at houses, you know, and, 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 you know, telling attorneys that we're going to testify on behalf of some, you know, that that, that if you go, your family's going to be dead, you know, you're, when you're in prison, when you're, you know, you're you're not going to come home to a family that's alive anymore. We have these are just the, this is not this is not a movie. This is not a nightmare. This is the truth, people. Right. This is the truth. And were you able to press charges against them? No. I filed a I filed a grievance, and it, you know it doesn't go anywhere. Um, uh, and the the other thing they did that was really egregious was uh, they threw me on a pan bed. Uh, again, no blanket, no sheet, uh, nothing. Uh, broken ribs, uh, bloody face. My teeth went through my lip. They slammed my face in the concrete. And uh, fortunately, uh, one of the inmates that was in that unit knew who I was, and uh, they brought me a blanket. Wow. They gave me a mat. You know, they said, Can we you... know who you are. We, we think you did the right thing. I was at – he said he was at the facility when it all went down. And otherwise, the other inmates heard I was a correctional officer, and they were ready to – beat me up and it, this right. one inmate said no uh uh-uh, not him oh my gosh but wow after i was beaten by the officers yeah and like i say you're the one that's supposed to be the criminal you yeah. know right right mhm 
And it was having because of, had, of multiple, multiple well, court appearances. Family. And, yeah. Having yeah. Well, I'm going to have to show questions. Now I'm going to have to close down the show, <laughs> but I would like to okay. have you back on again um, when you're available. And even if uh, Sunday you can grace us with your presence at least for an hour, uh, because I do want to spend an hour um, talking about some other things. Um, in particular, sure. but if if you would be able and willing to um, carry on with us on Sunday, we do start at seven o'clock on Sunday. So we hope that our listeners that are here with us tonight um, will also invite other people that they know of that would find this to be an important show uh, and subject uh, that they will come and, and join us again, uh, both on TS Radio Network, Marty Oakley's, of course. Uh, and uh, Stephen Burke's 89.9 KLRB FM out of Stewart, Oklahoma. Now, um, I just want to thank you so, so much for joining us us tonight and, you know, telling us part of your story, part, uh, you know, and looking forward to continuing that. I also want to thank uh, the person who provided the uh, testimony um, about the, that very same facility uh, and, and sadly confirmed that it is still going on. Uh, I want to thank anybody who is listening and anybody who is considering coming forward to email me at injusticeinoklahoma at gmail.com. Again, that's injusticeinoklahoma at gmail.com. Uh, we will not have a show next Tuesday evening uh, because it is the presidential debate. So what I want to encourage everybody to do is your civic duty and pay attention uh, to those running uh, for uh, the most important office in the world. And don't do it on any of those silly stations, okay? Don't do it on any of those. Listen to it on C-SPAN without the commentary, okay? Use your mind. Use your brains. Look into things. Make sure that the truth is being told. Don't listen to what anybody says uh, on those other stations, okay? You need to uh, learn for yourself, follow your gut, but research first. I'm Tanya Hathaway. I'm your host with Tanya Talks, where your voice is heard and your story is told. God bless everybody. Good night. Be safe. <laughs>